lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like pop. I shoot a shot. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Christian. And the title of this episode is To Therapy or Not Therapy? That is the question. For those of you who were forced to read Shakespeare in high school, you should be able to know what that reference is. Today, I have two women on the uh, podcast with me. I'm not going to be discussing this topic alone, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. <laughs> My name is Dr. Carolyn Hall. I'm an educator, an author, and um, also a empowerment coach for young women. And I'm at this time, I reside in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a licensed professional counselor and also a mindset coach to freedom craving women. Very happy to be here today. All right. So in full disclosure, I recorded this episode with Marquita, I think like a week, week and a half ago, and the sound was horrible. So I wanted to do it all over again, but then Carolyn kept coming to mind. So I was like, okay, then, you know, everything works together for good. So I was like, all right, let me add her to the mix, you know, so we can have some balance um, in terms of perspective. But um, I started off talking about my own personal experiences um, and my struggle. I think that there's something to be said um, in the African-American church where we really, um, we, we go to our pastors for everything. And though I do believe that there is a place for spirituality, though I do believe in pastoral counsel and godly counsel, I do believe that there is a place where the responsibility of the man or woman of God ends. And sometimes you need to get professional help. Um, and I think the, that, that mixing up the two, I think I've gotten a lot of bad advice from a good heart in, in a good place. And, and they met well, but it, it was, some of the worst advice of my life. And, but I noticed the difference when I really had to sit in front of a therapist and do the work and go through some of the challenges. I shared with Marquita last time, and I can go ahead and share that again today, that I think my first really conscious feelings in identifying something was wrong like was around the age nine. So like in third grade, where I would really start to struggle with depression. And it was, and I never forget, I was walking with my friend Jasmine. If Jasmine, if you're here in this, hey girl, hey. Uh, we were walking um, to the bus stop and I was like, do you ever just feel like you're sad, like you're here, but you're not here? And she was like, no. So the first thing I learned was, okay, this is not socially appropriate. You keep those things to yourself and that maybe it's just a you thing. So I never put like the name to the feeling or the gloominess and it didn't happen all the time, but it was a perpetual nagging feeling. It wasn't until maybe like mid 20s, I was able to identify it. And when I started to get counsel and go to therapy, I was able to start doing the work. So for somebody who had an issue that was you know, really, really um, similar to myself, and when I did try to share it in other places, they would tell me, oh, you're not praying enough, or you need to fast, or you know, you, you're not applying the scriptures, you don't have enough faith. And it made me feel obviously worse than what I did before. Um, what do you say to women who are like me, or even maybe some men who might be listening to this, who had the same situation that I was in and grew up in church? Like, like I've been to the altar multiple times about this issue and it might be okay for a week or so. And then I'm right back in the same place. And then I'm feeling like, God, are you not hearing me? Like, is it a spirit? Like, you know, so many different things. Where can we start when it comes to this topic? Where can we start with that? You know what? I'll be, I'll be transparent. Um, even before I had ever gotten a therapist, I was always an advocate of therapy, right? Because I think 
at I think that what happens is is that sometimes we can use spirituality as a band-aid for mental issues, right? Now, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He created the mind that we have, right? But I also, I think that sometimes that the church thinks that academia is at odds with them. No, 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 no. God put people in place that he, he gave knowledge to go to school to become therapists and psychologists, just like Marquita, just like our friend, uh, Miss, Miss, Mrs. Hodges, right? What happens is, is that they're key kingdom people that God has in place because God has created us as tripart beings. We are spirit, body, and soul. And so church works on the spirit, right? The gym, body, but that soul has a lot to do with mental issues, a lot of traumas that we've experienced in life. And sometimes those things can't be prayed away. I, I'll give you an example. I remember last year, because I, I believe in transparency. Last year, if I'm honest with you, was one of the most, uh, the last two years were really, really uh, um, challenging for me. I want to say challenging because I'm trying to be uh, more careful about the words that I use. They were uh, very challenging for me. I went through a lot of betrayal. I went through um, a very challenging time at work. I had started working with kids who were extremely difficult. And what happens is, is I saw myself, I, start, I started gaining weight. And if anybody knows me, they know that I'm a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray, okay, on spot. I'm in a car, turn the radio off. Right? I believe in it. But at the same time, something in me knew that I needed an unbiased party, somebody who God had had uh, anointed, right? Because it, he gives everybody anointing for something specific. Somebody who he had anointed to work with soul slash mental issues. And I think that a lot of times we think that people have to almost have a lunatic spirit in order for them to seek psychological counseling. And that's not so. What happens is, is that if we really want to make sure that people have a healthy spiritual life, we got to make sure that they have a healthy mental life because there's so many people in the church that use spirituality to cover up for lunacy, you know? So what happens is, is that we do need to advocate for counseling. We do need to advocate for therapy. Now, I would never suggest that anybody go see somebody outside of the kingdom because well-meaning people still get bad advice. So they may give you some advice. Like, say, for instance, if you saw a non-spiritual counselor, they may put you on medication immediately. Well, you see somebody who is in the kingdom, not only are they mixing book knowledge with spiritual knowledge, but God has given them a special locator in order to talk about what it is that you're specifically dealing with. And so what happened is, is that when I got a therapist um, last year, Dr. Gail, shout out to Dr. Gail. I love her. Um, what she did for me was she helped me develop strategy to deal with the things that I was going through. She helped me develop a spiritual strategy. She helped me develop a mental strategy and a physical strategy. And one of the things that she told me, and it's extremely simple, but sometimes the most brilliant things are said in simplicity. She said, Carolyn, she said, you are a kingdom kid and God never meant for kingdom kids to be miserable. She says, so if you are miserable, 
or if you have a situation in your life that is causing you to just feel broken, that is not of God. She said, every trial is not about you becoming some uber Christian. Some things are about you learning how to deal with life from another level. And so you've got to learn if this thing is not bringing me happiness or if this thing is not bringing me joyful, how do I need to respond differently or what do I need to do differently to get to that place of joy that I once had? And so it was helpful. Yeah, I think Carolyn has some very good points and comes from a great perspective. And uh, Tasha, last time we talked a little bit about my story and how my dad was a pastor, an associate pastor of a church I grew up in growing up. Um, and so when I went off to college, I, I got very depressed and anxiety started to creep in very early on. And one thing I was told was that I should keep praying, right? And I kept telling my symptoms to my parents were very close still to this day. And I kept saying, I'm getting worse. You know, I went to the doctor, the doctor put me on medication for depression. Um, and then I also shared with them, like, I'm just not doing well. I'm starting to fail out of courses. They said, Kita, keep praying. And I kept praying and praying and God led me to a therapist. And I think sometimes that people in the church are, are missing the point when it comes to when and when you should only father to guide us um, and fulfill us in areas that we need fulfillment. And sometimes we are, we are going to need to seek the help of a qualified mental health professional outside of, outside of the church. And there are some that are inside the church, right? But in many churches that I know of, they're all outside of the church. Um, I was the only mental health professional in my church that my husband and I met at where I did, um, where I was on the health and ministries team. So a lot of times um, people are going to their pastors with everything. And Tasha, you and I talked about this last time. Like, at, at what point do you say, all right, this should not be taken to the pastor? Or maybe it should, and the pastor and the elders and the deacons or whomever else can come together and pray for you, um, but then connect you with someone in the church who has some connections in the resources or in the community or knowledge, is, knowledge about what's in the community in terms of mental health. Um, so I think as churches, we should be more well-rounded and connecting people to mental health services because we also don't know what demons are our pastors and people in the church are fighting, right? Maybe you're bringing something to your pastor that he or she has been struggling with for years um, when you could be bringing that to a mental health professional to deal with that separately. And with your pastor, you can still pray. So, so I think there's room for both. There's room for prayer and there's room for therapy. Um, and, and you just have to know, like, what, what, where's your discernment? in the mix, you know, what is God telling you to do? And if he's telling you to go seek professional care outside of the church, then that's okay. Because if you had a broken leg, you wouldn't come to your pastor. If you, if you had diabetes, you wouldn't come to your pastor and say, help me check my insulin. So, so, so that's the way I see it. I'm glad that we're doing a redo of this episode. And I want to say why. I'm not sure if you guys heard it in the news. It was all over social media that there was a prophet who shot his wife in front of um, her job. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's, it's been, I, I've been really, really, really troubled by it because, you know, for me, I like to always, I, I like to know the backstory. I like to know where did this start? I like to know what they were into. Um, and so I did a little bit of digging and I thought, I was like, well, he, they look like someone was awful. Why? Like it, it wasn't surprising or shocking. My thing is at what point before that this whole situation happened, 
there should have been some kind of a mental health check. Because the one thing that I'm also thinking about that is, man, I'm sure these members are confused. Mm-hmm. Well, you can say, oh, the mature people would know that things happen mature, not mature. This is tragic and this is a hit to the kingdom, period. Because in those same comments, you're like, see, this is why I don't go to church. These people got mm-hmm. their own problem. This is crazy X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. I think my question is, or my perspective, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. At what point before this became a catastrophe where the mental health component of this should have been checked? Or at least there should have been some kind of conversation with somebody, a therapist or this and that. Because for me, I don't feel like divorce is the end of the world. If we just don't like each other, it's not getting along. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm about to go find me a new one. And the Lord will bless that. Now it's like she's dead. She's dead. And you're going to jail. And the faith of people are tried. Um, I don't even know where to start with that one. I, just, I don't know where to start with that one. I, I saw that story um, on YouTube the other day, and I was also heartbroken by it, Tasha. It, it's so sad. Um, in or outside of the religious community, these types of things are sad. And I think you make you bring up a great point about mania being hidden um, in his char- charismatic personality and, and his presentation, right? Um, I think a lot of times we're missing warning signs that people are giving off, that they might be suicidal, that they might be homicidal, that they might be in danger or deeply troubled. Um, One of the videos that I saw online was showing some of his most recent Facebook posts and how people were like, yeah, 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 you know, just rooting him on because because he's this figure in the public um, and they're looking to him as a prophet. Now, a mental health professional, had I have seen that and had I been attending his church, I would have said something might be off. Something is concerning. And I see those, I'm sure you see those messages all the time on Facebook, at least I do. And when I do, I private message people and just try to provide some hope and try to give them some encouragement. But it's very clear to me as a trained professional when someone's posting something that's deeply concerning. Um, To the average public, not so much. Sometimes it's, we're going to cheer you on, high five, or, oh, the pastor's being funny today. Um, so so where are the warning signs? I'm sure they were there, right? Just as that message I saw, but it's who's reading it and who feels compelled to respond to it. Um, and sometimes people have this attitude, especially um, in and outside of the church of, I'm just going to mind my business. You know, I don't know what that's about or I'm going to mind my business. We're all busy. We all lead busy lives. I get that. Um, but we're going to have to start really paying attention to the things that people are saying and doing. Um, and my understanding is that she, um, and this is my understanding. So if anyone's listening to this and can refute this or has, you know, evidence otherwise, that's fine. I don't I don't know this case Um in full, but my understanding is that her brother came over to try to help, try to get her to report it to the police, and she decided not to. So a lot of times you hear a lot in the news lately as black women, we say, oh, we want to protect this man. You know, we want to protect black men. So we have to get out of this habit of protecting them and protecting us too. When your personal safety is is jeopardized, it's time to call the police. It's time to call your family over to get you some support, to support you while you exit that situation. Um, so again, warning signs were most likely there, Tasha, you saw them, um, but it's who's, who's reading it, who's reading it and who is, who feels compelled to step in, in those situations. I also think too, that, um, I, I think a number of things, I think number one is we, you know, we, we talk quite often in the church about having a spirit of discernment, right? But I think that if we're honest, 
we're not discerning enough because there, there, there are plenty of times. I'm sure you guys have gone to church uh, or churches where you saw sister so-and-so uh, was a dedicated prayer warrior, but you also noticed it was a little something off about sister so-and-so. It was a little mm -hmm. something off. But nobody would ever say anything because sister so-and-so prays so hard, right? Or brother Bobo. Brother Bobo would have these little episodes, but people would dismiss it and sound he crazy. Or, you know, he used to be a so-and-so. But Brother Bobo had some serious issues, but he was he was there. He was there every service. He was praying all the time. People overlook it. And I think in the very same way we need we tell people stop fornicating, stop using drugs. We need to be comfortable enough to say to pull people to the side it didn't have to be done openly right but to pull people to the side and say i think that it would be wise for you to seek counseling or to seek help you know and to say it in a way that's love because what a lot of times i heard people after something wild has happened then that then the person is crazy no that that whatever you saw is crazy was there all along but you never acknowledged it right I also think, too, we have to be aware. I think that more pastors need to be honest enough to say that this goes beyond the realm of my familiar. I'm going to refer you to somebody. And that's okay. I'm an educator, been an educator for 20 years. And when kids ask me a question, college students, high school students, and they say, Dr. Hall, I got a question for you. And I say, I hope I got the answer. Mm -hmm. Right? Because... I, I don't care how long I've been in school. There'll never be a point that I know everything. In fact, the Bible says only a fool pretends to know everything. So what happens is, is that pastors have got to be okay. Like it does not take, take away from your authority or your power structure to say, this is an area that I'm not comfortable with. This is an area where you need help that goes beyond my realm of familiar. And I'm going to see what I can do to refer you. I also think that churches need more structure. What happens is, is that a lot of times, like say for instance, if you were at a school, the school, if we had a problem with Shunquavius, if Shunquavius had ADHD or something like that, and they didn't have a school psychologist on staff, they have a whole list of resources that this, this young person can use, right? Mm. Well, in the very same way, I think that we need to be more diligent within our churches of creating, creating networks, right? Creating networks that can point people in the direction that we can't help them. So if I got a sister in my church that has been abused, uh, I, I know that maybe she is going through some sort of domestic violence or some sort of emotional abuse. It's fine to tell her to pray. It, 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 I, I believe in prayer. Prayer does change things. But God also gives us other strategies. Because remember, he said, faith without works is dead. So sometimes it's in the working of a thing. You know, so we have to figure out what is it or where is it that I don't know this or what, where, what is it that is my shortcoming. And perhaps I know somebody, maybe at another church, maybe at another facility that can point this person in the right direction. It's not going to make your members leave. It's not going to take anything away from you. It's just you uh, uh, um, networking to make sure that the people that you're shepherding are getting the best care possible. And sometimes all of it may not necessarily have to come from you. I think, I think also what it really comes down to, and I'm just going to add a name to it. I also think it, it's, it's, I think it's pride sometimes too. 
with not just the church, but even for me, like I was sharing with Marquita last time, there's been numerous occasions where I went to the, like my doctor to get my checkup. You know, they asked a few questions and they're noticing she's not, something not quite right. Hey, do I need to write you a prescription for something? And I'm like, no, the devil's going to heal me. Give me three days. I'm going to pray. That was always my response. Like I was, you know, and, and, and I mean, who's to say, maybe it was going to help me. I don't know, but I was so adamant about it because I did not want to be, say out of my mouth that, Hey, I, I might need some help that my praying may not be. It may not be the answer for this. I don't want to say that I'm not praying enough because I, I really, I know how much prayer I was doing in that. But saying maybe, maybe prayer is not the answer for this. Um, with that being said, um, I'm trying to see how deep I want to go and how vulnerable I want to be. A few years ago, I went through something extremely traumatic and nobody knew what to do or how to help me. And it was one of those things where it was like a slow building up kind of thing where people were saying something is wrong. It was very quiet, very, you know, only a selected few people. But now when it hit its peak, nobody knew what to do. It literally what happened was um, somebody close to me, they really went into prayer to connect me with a resource, like you were saying, a resource from another church of ministry to introduce me to a program so I could get the help that I needed. But for a couple of months, there was nothing going on. And I felt like during that time I was spiraling even worse because it's kind of like, okay, God, this traumatic, crazy thing has happened to me. What do I do now? And I feel like there's no help. And I was in a place where I no longer felt safe in church because I'm just like, so what am I supposed to do? You know, because all I ever knew was to run to church and you can't tell me I wasn't praying. You can't tell me I wasn't, you know what I mean? And it was hard because during that time where I was going to get therapy, going to get counseling, going to get help, I was constantly um, told, not by a lot of people, but like, oh, you don't need to do that. It's a deliverance issue. Like, you know, this is dumb. This is stupid. But I can tell you now in 2020, those resources literally not only saved my life, but saved my faith. Because it was, I was, you was going to get me in church again after that. You, I, I mean, it's not that I didn't believe in Jesus, but I'm like, Jesus, you people are questionable. I don't know. I'm not interested anymore. And for me, I, I ended up with a counselor, like you said, Dr. Hall, somebody who heard from the Holy Spirit. Because they would hit certain things with counsel. Where I was like, well, wait a second. You, I didn't come here for this. We was coming to deal with one issue. You're, you're touching things that I'm not comfortable with. But it helped me to be able to go to the root of things. So I said all that to say, why is it that you think we wait, like I said, for something catastrophic, for a man to shoot his wife, for something really bad so we can go, oh, they, that's crazy. This was just crazy. So we don't assume responsibility. Why do we wait for these bad things to happen before people can even consider maybe getting counseling or therapy? What is that about? Especially in the black church. I'm just going to add that in there. Let's, <laughs> can I say this? Let's take it outside of church. In the black community, period. Let's let's even take it away from church. And I know Marquita's gonna back me up on this. Um, one of the things we don't talk enough about, people talk about slavery and they say, Oh, just get over it, just get over it, it happened, right? But even years after slavery, things continue to happen to black people. So black people suffer from PTSD, right? Uh, one black psychologist. He called, he coined, he coined it post-traumatic slave disorder. So what happens is, is that their trauma, right? And we know that trauma, uh, we, a lot of times we say, oh, that's a generational curse in their family. Sometimes it is generational trauma. Mm -hmm. 
things that we don't deal with, things that we sweep, sweep under the rug because we refuse to talk about them. Like I'll give you an example. Let's say, for instance, you look at somebody's family and in that particular family, they have a, 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 a line of alcoholics, right? Well, it's not because all these uncles just like getting drunk and, and don't like keeping a job. There's some trauma there that has not been dealt with. And so alcohol becomes the coping mechanism. And so just like in our families, when we see, you know, let's say, for instance, you got this uncle who everybody knows is slightly off kilter. You know, he went to Vietnam, he came back and he ain't been the same thing, right? So they tell you, they say, uh, don't don't go by Uncle June's room. Uh, don't make any sudden sounds when Uncle June is in the house. Uh, make sure that if you use the bathroom, lock the door when Uncle June is at home, right? And so, and it's like almost, the, everybody knows that this issue is more than he just a little off kilter. This brother needs, he needs some counseling. He needs some help, but we glaze over it because there is a stigma attached. Almost like black folks think that struggling mentally means that you you are weak right and so we bring those same sort of associations into the church with us right because many of the uh, fallacious ways that we think what these things are not biblical we've assigned biblical meaning to them but we bring these same sort of fallacious ideas into the church with us and so for example let's say for instance even when uh, you have a single mother at the church and she she's, you know, she's having the baby or she gets pregnant again for the second time or something like that. And they make the single mother, you know, the single mother, keep your legs closed, this, that, and the other. But they never say anything to the men, right? And a lot of times you'll find that even with that single mother, it's a generational issue. Her grandmother had a baby really young and outside of marriage and the mother had a baby really young outside of marriage. And what happens is in addition to this being a spiritual issue somebody needs counseling to figure out why is it that i keep making these secularly negative decisions mm -hmm. and i'm bringing that into the church with me but a lot of times we refuse to believe that god it, you know, we say we believe that God is a God of knowledge, but we think that any knowledge outside of the Bible is, is, is worldly. No. Why do you think God made people? He gave the, when he talks about giving people the pen of a ready writer. So he's giving people ideas, strategies, witty inventions to help aid what it is that he says in the Bible. That is an extension. I, I like to often talk about that God often gives us a word behind the word. So what happens is, so if Marquita's going to write that book, that means that God not only used her uh, training as a therapist, but that biblical knowledge that he had, he joined them together because he understood that there were things that were needed to break off some of this generational trauma because it's not just a curse, but it's trauma right? That keeps traveling through the bloodline that has to be broken. But if we don't ever deal with it, right? Then we keep using excuses. We'll say, well, you just need to keep your legs closed. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. You mean to tell me if somebody is living in poverty, right? You're living in abject poverty. Everybody you know in your whole family has been poor and you got four children by four different fathers and you keep having babies. You're not doing that just because you like having babies or just because you, you, you know, every time you meet a guy, you're falling in love. There's something behind that. And I don't say that in a judgmental way. I'm saying that 
psychologically, there's some stuff that hasn't been dealt with. And it's not just enough to say, stop fornicating. Marquita, were you going to, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last time. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that Carolyn talked about that training, yeah. trauma. <laughs> like, I know you and I were bubbling. I could see it just now, but did you want to go ahead and talk more about Yep, you can tell. Absolutely. I, and Carolyn, you're right. I do agree with you. Tasha and I talked about the generational trauma last time. Um, and I think right now, a lot of, I know, right? <laughs> a lot of Black people are experiencing this collective re-traumatization when you see all of the shootings and, and just everything that's going on in the media. Um, and you see some people who are in support of, of of the movement to um, to support Black lives and uplift Black lives and say, hey, our lives matter too. Um, not that other lives don't matter, right? But I um, mean, then you have groups of people who say, you know, you should be over that. Slavery is not a thing anymore. We don't want to talk about that in the history books. So why on earth would Black people feel comfortable seeking services when they don't feel that they see enough representation or they don't know how to access enough people who represent um, the very backgrounds that they represent, right? Um, so like I was telling Tasha last time, I've gotten all of my clients, majority of my clients now are African-American. In my history of being a counselor, that has never happened, right? People, I'm getting a lot of first timers. People are saying, well, I never felt comfortable seeking therapy before, um, or I couldn't find a black therapist. And we do exist, right? Um, there may not be as many of us in certain cities or certain areas and zip codes, but but we do exist. And so when people see that representation, they automatically assume this person might just understand where I'm coming from. So I think um, there's a generational trauma. We're told to just stuff it a lot of times, right? There's that whole, um, you need to just keep praying and just keep praying and keep praying. There comes a time where you need to have prayer plus intervention, right? <laughs> and not and not just prayer. Um, because if we're not intervening and connecting people with resources in our communities, then how are we really helping people? I, I, I just I just think I don't think God, you know, created doctors and nurses and, and mental health professionals and educators for no reason. He didn't just create all of us just to sit, sit around. Um, and anyone who's watching this who, who doesn't identify as black, I'm not at all saying black people shouldn't go to white therapists. I've had a white therapist for years, you know, so I'm saying that some for some people that's important. For some people, they have been told generationally, oh, you can't trust. You can't trust people who don't look like us. You can't trust people who don't share our experience. Um, and sometimes we have to be open. Maybe that person who doesn't look like you and doesn't share your, your life experience is the one that is most most skilled to help you in that specific area of trauma. And so sometimes we have to look outside ourselves and say, all right, God, what are you showing me? What are, what are you trying to tell me here in this in this situation? Please lead me to the person who will be a best fit for me. Not, not necessarily the person who looks just like me, but who is the best fit for me? So again, prayer plus intervention, um, we really have to continue to work to break these stigmas. And I believe more talks like this really help with that when we come together as women to say, hey, this is what we see that's going on in our communities. And can I interject something quickly? I think, to be quite honest, sometimes intervention is the answer to prayer. I don't think we need to even separate them. I think that exactly. sometimes, like, for example, I think that when I got connected with Dr. Gail, it was the answer to a prayer. I don't think it was apart from prayer. I think it was the answer to prayer. Because I think, I, th this, this is how I think, you know, we always talk about how God is a loving God and he's a father, right? I think my father saw how much I was struggling at the time. 
And I think that he said, I don't want my baby to feel like that because I can see that this thing has just really got her almost in just a ball. She's not she's not uh, uh, joyful and silly like she used to be. She's always just sad and and whatever, whatever. I'm going to connect her with somebody who's going to help her decompress. Right. And, and the other thing I think about it is, too, we often pray for things in the church that I don't know that we necessarily believe. So let's say, for instance, we're praying that God will raise up people within the church to be doctors and lawyers and nurses and psychologists. But then when it's time to utilize these people, we're saying pray for that. So if if if, if you're 600 pounds, you just can't pray away that fat. You know what I'm saying? Maybe your answer to prayer is a personal is is a personal trainer. Right. So in the very same way, if we're struggling and I think that we even got to be honest, I don't think it makes you any less holy. I don't think it makes you any less loving of God to say I'm struggling right now. This is rough for me, you know, and and sometimes I'm an overshare. Right. Because <laughs> my best friend tell me like, uh, man, hold up with that. You just you know, you tell me everybody. Come on, man. come on. You know, because I'd be like, I feel nutty right now. She'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, that's how you know. And I and I and I've been praying in Lord, you know, Holy Spirit, tell me you talk too much. Dial it back sometime, right? So, but the thing is, is that I think that people were so, and even outside of the church, one of the things that has hurt us is this whole concept of social media, right? Not to get you all derailed. But I think that we're so busy trying to keep up appearances and worried about what people are going to think if we X, Y, Z. I don't care what you think, because at the end of the day, I got to come home. Right. I got to come home and I got to go to bed. And 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 just like even let's say, for instance, a lot of women are using church as a as a, a safe haven because they're traumatized from dating. You know, they don't really, they're not really just that in love with going to church, but they're traumatized. They're traumatized for that single life. So they're using the church as a, as a refuge. That's and that's not what God meant, right? I think God meant for the church to be, uh, uh, God meant for the church to be a place that builds us up so that we go back into the world bold and confident and ready to change things. Not for us to hide. You know, and so I think that many, let's say, for instance, whether a sister go to church, whether a sister goes to church or not, I would say if you're a black woman dating and some of some even married women, I think you need a counselor because many I I talk like many of my friends or even me, I'm traumatized from dating. Like, seriously. So what happens is I have to make sure that I don't want to be thought of as a bit of black woman. I don't want to, every time I meet somebody, this, no he around here lying, you know, because, because you're bitter because you got all these, all this trauma for the negative. And Milano, you know, you know, so you have all this trauma from the negative experience. You are not lying. I have been there. Yeah, serious. So, and I, and I always say to myself, I want to remain light and fluffy. I want to be light and fluffy. I want that when a man meets me, he'd be like, you're just cool. I, I don't know. You're cool, right? Because I don't want to carry the baggage from my traumatic experiences that I've had. And if we're not careful, we'll do it. And I see sisters time and time again. I'm over it. I don't care no more. You, you lying. You do care. Because if you didn't care, you wouldn't bring it up. 
But what happens is we've been taught that we should just shut up about it and we should just pray about it. Prayers, sometimes that help is the answer to many of the prayers that we're praying. Sometimes these skilled workers are skilled for the kingdom. I believe that I was anointed and appointed to be an educator. That's not me boasting. That's not me bragging. That's me knowing that God had a purpose for me being who I am and doing what I do. So does that mean, but guess what though? I've also met church people who say to me when they find out that I have a degree in African studies to say stuff like, you, you, you don't handle them African man's do it. Uh, you know, like I'm around there, you know, like I'm going to church, but at, but at home, oh, ancestors, bless my ancestors. Come on now. Come on. How about God had me to do that? Because there's some people in the world of academia that may never receive something from somebody in the church that will receive it from me, his daughter, who he has anointed and appointed to do X, Y, Z. Doesn't mean that I'm the best, doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but it means that he gave me space to work my purpose out. And I think the same can be said of any of us, but we've got to learn, God, we've got to learn to stop putting God in the box and stop saying that church is the answer for everything. Church is the foundation. But what did he say in the word? He said, go into the world, not stay in the church, go into the world. And so we've got to take our understanding of God and our understanding of spirituality outside of the box and understand that when God meant for us to be healthy, he said, beloved, above all things, it is my desire that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, right? That means he wants your mind, your body, and your spirit. That's why I didn't start riding the bike again. I'm trying to get my body back, Okay. So what happens is he's working on the whole person for each and every one of us. And we've got to learn that this is not just about quoting a bunch of scripture, praying 24 seven, but it is about us putting application, right? Being not just hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. Thank you for listening to another episode of Confessions of a Christian Girl. Um, I had to kind of pause the conversation because the sound got real ghetto uh, towards the end. But see, that's just an enemy fighting because this was a really good conversation in regards to mental health. Um, I probably am thinking about maybe doing a part two. We'll see what the future brings because I think there was a lot more to explore in this topic but hope you enjoyed this episode please like subscribe share 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 especially with somebody you think that this would be beneficial with until next time we're gearing up for episode nine um and i cannot wait to talk to you guys soon bye i'm coming in